The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the Legendarium. I beat them up with words. I have very tiny, ineffectual fists. Welcome to a very special episode of the Ladies of the Legendarium. I'm Stephanie, and I am in studio with Megan. Hey, everybody! We're so excited. We've just kind of decided to plan this impromptu recording to discuss a very special book series. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. For right now, we got to have some housekeeping that we need to take care of. You can support our podcast through Patreon. So please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, go support us through Patreon. You can join our conversation on Discord. We talk about authors. We talk about book series. There is general topics that the Discord loves to chat about. And then you can catch all of our previous episodes on thelegendarium.com. So Megan, <laughs> would you like to introduce our very special, very exciting book series that the two of us have decided to sit down and talk about. I really would, especially because we didn't ask anyone any permission. <laughs> we didn't tell anyone we were going to do this. Y'all, we're going to talk about the Harry Potter series. Woohoo! Today, we're just talking books one through four. We'll get together later to talk about five through seven. But the guys recorded an episode a couple of years ago about Harry Potter for an anniversary or birthday or... I don't remember what, but I remember being very sad that they did not include me. So I'm really excited that we're doing this without them. Of course. And like she said, we did not tell anyone. <laughs> Craig doesn't even know. <laughs> no one knows that we are talking about Harry Potter. Ryan knows, but only because he lives here. We had to have him set up our microphones. He's a good man. So, but Megan, why are you, why were you so disappointed that you weren't invited to the Harry Potter conversation? First of all. I felt like they were being a little bit racist against Slytherins because there were no Slytherins on that panel that day. And also, I think they, it was, I'm a Slytherin, which is why I'm, apparently that hit a nerve for me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like it was all of the guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kyle wasn't there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I was just very sad not to be included because I feel like Harry Potter is my thing. Harry Potter... We have these jokes about what is the one thing you could talk about until everybody around you goes crazy. And for me, it's it's Harry. <laughs> it's Harry and his world and his magical world. So when Stephanie called me up and said, hey, I'm listening to the Harry Potter books. Do you want to talk about them? I said, it's not even a question. <laughs> of course I do. You just tell me when. And it's today. We're very excited if you can't tell. <laughs> I think it's so funny. I am honestly so surprised when I found out you are a Slytherin. Yeah. I know. I give off Hufflepuff vibes. I would definitely have pegged you as a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Though, having reread, I have, this is my third time through the book series. Oh. It is, I, I read them when they came out. Okay. I read them probably roughly about 10 years ago. Okay. As a, a reread, again, I listened to them um, my second time through. So this is about my third time through the book series. And now being refreshed. Mm -hmm. on what the books have to say about the houses because it is a little it's more in depth I should say than yeah. what you get in the movies because I've seen the movies several times yes I'm not as surprised now that I have a refresher that you're a Slytherin interesting I, I 
I would like you to expound on that. <laughs> I, I think it's it's interesting because you can tell very much that J.K. Rowling doesn't like the Slytherins because she does kind of paint most of them that we get to know, especially early on as the villains. But you're getting it from 11-year-old Harry Potter's point of view, mm-hmm. where basically the first Slytherin he meets is Draco Malfoy, who just rubs him the wrong way immediately. And then the Slytherin teacher that he meets is Severus Snape, who hates Harry as much. I mean, he just does not have good experiences with Slytherins that were that are discussed in the early books. Well, and your bad guy has to come from somewhere. Yeah. But the more that you know about Slytherins and what... And it's not just, oh, we need pure bloods. That's what we need. And that's, I think, what the movies focus on. Mm-hmm. It's so much about the loyalty and the fierceness behind that loyalty that the Slytherins have. Yeah. That having you as a friend, I'm like, yes, yes, Megan <laughs> would definitely be that person that someone just hurt my feelings and she's going to go back and she's going to beat them up for me. I do actually do that. <laughs> I beat them up with words. I have very tiny, ineffectual fists. But uh, yeah, you. Uh, I love my friends. I will support them until I die. But that is one thing I think that stood out to me as I was re-listening to, like, as they're talking about the houses and what makes up the houses. I was like, yes, there are some bad qualities. I mean, I think all the houses have all bad the houses qualities. Do. Yeah. But I was like, yes, Megan. It's not as surprising as I first okay, thought good. of it. Yeah, because it, it does kind of freak people out. With like, why do you think you're a Slytherin? I'm like, um, because I am one. <laughs> I've taken those quizzes. I've, I've taken so many quizzes. I've gotten every single house in random. But I've taken, they, they had the Pottermore quiz. I took it, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And it was the first time I ever got Slytherin. And I originally... My first thought was, oh, no, what? How can that be? <laughs> and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, yeah, actually, that that does kind of make sense for me. And then they revamped the site. And a lot of people said that they got different answers. And I took it the second time. I, mean, I was still a Slytherin. So I feel like that's a confirmation. Oh, maybe I need to retake it. Oh, maybe. What? I don't actually know what house you are. What house do you think I am? I would guess a Ravenclaw. You think so? Yeah. I'm not. I am a Gryffindor. a Gryffindor. That would have been my second guess. And strangely... Like how they tell you, like, you're this percent of this house and mm-hmm. you can be this percent of this house. My second house was Hufflepuff. Oh, no, I could see that too. As like, I'm thinking, I was I, like, I kind of am one of those people that I put the sorting hat on and he's like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you're going to go into this house because this is just what I felt <laughs> like. Because I feel like that's me. I'm like four equal parts of each house. I yeah. have I have the strengths and weaknesses. Of all four houses. <laughs> well, and I think it is nice, though, that they'll do kind of a percentage of you're this much Hufflepuff and this much Ravenclaw, uh, because I think all of us do have a little bit of all of the houses. Yeah. It's just which one is going to help you be your best version of your best self. Yeah. And, you know, those Slytherins need all the support they can get. Because this is highly important in our very muggle-filled world. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> we have, you know, we have our, you know college football team we support and we wear those jerseys and we are live or die hard for Boise State or whatever college football team you support I don't know I picked Boise a random State one I don't know why I, I think I think that one always sticks in my mind because I'm like Boise is not a state for all of you who don't live in the states Boise is a city in Idaho it's not a state but the cool the school is called Boise State doesn't matter <laughs> um but, you know we have our you know our, we're all very proud of our high schools that we went to and we're you know, we just have these things that we just identify with and hold on to really hard and I think 
um, especially since their houses do become their family when they're away from their actual mm-hmm. families. It just, it does become a part of their identity, which is why they are so hardcore about, I am this house and everybody else are very good people, but these are the people I spend the most time with. And So you've done all of that. You've been to... Harry Potter world. I've been to the Wizarding World in Florida. I have not been to the one in California. I I don't have... think you're missing as as much. Yeah, I hear it's smaller. If you've been to the one in Florida, you, I don't feel like you need to go to California. Oh, but if you've been stunning. to just the one in California, you still need to go to the one in Florida. I have yeah. not been to the one in Florida. I have been oh. to the one in California. And it is cool. Okay. It's one of those things, like if you're going to make a Harry Potter theme park, make a theme park. Yep. Make a whole theme park. Right. Make it all in like immersive and just build it all out. The fact that I have to go to Universal Studios yeah. and I get two rides in this little corner of Universal. Universal's fine. I am a Disney fan for anyone that needs to know this that doesn't already know this. Yeah, so who we know that? We go to Disneyland. Okay. We never go to Universal. <laughs> Because it's just not worth it to us. I will say, though, the Harry Potter section of the Universal Studio, like, they're so beautiful. It's so well done. They do amazing jobs. And you just think, if you did that with the whole park. Make a whole park out of it. Yeah. I would would go to that. And I would spend my money. And it would be a lot of money. Because, you know, if they had not put all that effort into it, the Harry Potter fans would have ripped them to shreds. Because, of course, we have our wands. Um, Yeah. My wand chose me. It was a magical moment. I, I I lost all sensation in my body because I just was like watching myself from the outside. It was such a cool, it was so cool, you guys. And of course I bought it. My wand chose me. Like I'm not going to buy it. It was a great day. I chose my wand. I have to admit, I did not get chosen by my wand. I'm not that special. I bought Floor Delacour's wand because oh, it is beautiful. If yeah. you have not looked up, seen her wand, look it up. It is beautiful. And I love, I love her wand. Yeah. And that is the wand I own. Ryan bought one of the interactive ones. Okay. We're not even talking about the book series. I know. Gosh. Anyway. It's the legendarium. If we're not going off on tangents, what are we doing here? We'll get back on track because we could talk about all stuff. Yeah. All Harry Potter. But I will say I have not done like the studio tour in London, but I have been to Platform 9 and 3 quarters at King's Crossing. I, when I went to London, I missed out on that. Oh. My group decided to go see the Peter Pan statue. Oh, cool. In, I can't even remember the name Kensington. of the park. Yeah, that it's in, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful statue. I decided to take the path less trodden when I went to London and not see the like super popular stuff and you so had your own experience i think that's cool i was like this is what i want to go see everyone else wanted to go see the harry potter platform and we went to go see the peter pan statue which was fun but i, I feel like they're, I they're, they're wish, comparable experiences based i want on to what go back yeah just to go and and to have that experience because it'd be fun and i really am sad that i did not buy the first book when i was in london because it is oh. the it's harry potter and the philosopher's stone yeah when you purchase it in England, as opposed to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is available in the U.S. Right. In case you didn't know that. Because it sounds more magical and you don't have to worry about the... Oh, I just lost the words. You don't have to worry about the... I want to... Philosophical is not the right word. The magical implications of what the Philosopher's Stone. Phyllis... The Philosopher's? That one. <laughs> What, the falafel stone? Anyway. The falafel stone? Yeah. That is a completely different stone. Dag nabbit. 
<laughs> Should have read the books again. Okay. So Megan and I are going to be discussing <laughs> the first four books. So that is The Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber The of Chamber Secrets. of Secrets, The Prisoner of Azkaban, and The... Goblet of Fire. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> it's the, the... I know what it's about. I'm I like, just I could mouth it, it to her or I could just say it. The Goblet of Fire. So those are the four books we're going to be discussing because that's... We decided one episode of all of the books would be too much conversation. Per book, yeah. And so, and anyway. So I have created a little spinner randomizer of topics mm-hmm. in case Megan and I feel like we actually need help choosing a topic, which I don't really think we will, but. Um, I just, just go two points. First of all, we decided not to do a recap because we feel like if you don't know the Harry Potter books, you should just oh. go look them up. Find go, out about them. Go read they're, them. They're a series about a boy who, you know, finds out at age 11 that he's a wizard and enters this magical world where he discovers that he's really good at flying and this soccer-y game, I'm sorry, football-y game called Quidditch. And he also discovers that he's being hunted by an evil dark lord, the worst wizard in the history of wizards. <laughs> and makes friendships and learns lessons along the way. And if you haven't read Harry Potter, you've been living under a rock for the last, like, 25 years. And if you don't want to read Harry Potter, that's a valid choice, although I'm curious why you're listening to this episode. So please let us know. Yes, it's going to be full of spoilers. We will be talking all sorts of stuff. We will be talking about characters and what happens. And so if you haven't read the books, go read the books and then come back and listen to mine and Megan's very random conversation I know about the Harry Potter book series. Basically Stephanie just said I have a whole bunch of questions and I want to talk to you about them and I was like yes let's do it. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of opinions. I think they've become opinions and not so much cool questions. I'm happy to explore. But okay so I have my randomizer. Wheel of eternity turn the, turn turn. The first topic we have come to is magical locations okay what is your favorite place that we have visited in the first four books duh hogwarts hogwarts is my favorite i know should i pick something other than hogwarts you can pick hogwarts it's okay i made a face she did make a face I was like oh no because yeah we just spent a lot of time on hogwarts i also though why yeah hogwarts is where Harry finds a home. Like, he finds people who like him for him. And he finds supportive adults willing to help him out. Like, who, first of all, see value in him and are really, really supportive. It's I love Professor McGonagall. But that's a whole character discussion that we may or may not have later. But Harry grew up in this, in a muggle home, thinking he was just kind of a weirdo, surrounded by people who hated him. And then he gets to go to Hogwarts, and it's this lovely place. And also, I mean, it has a whole bunch of nonsensical, why do the staircases move? Mm, Magic. (laughs) Why is this a trick staircase that you have to skip over? I don't know. Magic. But it's just kind of, (laughs) it's a lot of fun. We don't know how this works. Oh, yeah, right. Because it's magic. And we don't have to know how it works. (laughs) Yay for the wizarding world. (laughs) Why is Hogwarts my favorite? Now I have to think about it. I think it's my favorite, probably because we spend the most time there and we just get to know it so well. Uh, but it is where Harry feels the safest for the most part, which, you know, we're watch- we're reading it from Harry's point of view. And I think that means something. I, kind of nice. I also really think Gringotts is very cool. I do. The idea of this ginormous bank 
far below anything that his London is built on, mm-hmm. including their their tube system and everything. Like the idea that there's just these tracks. I don't know. For some strange reason, I just kept picturing like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. I keep expecting a huge rock to come rolling after them. <laughs> so I think one of my favorite places that we have been introduced to so far is the idea of Hogsmeade. Okay. I love the idea that there is a community and I'm surprised there isn't more where there's like Hogsmeade is the only all wizarding community in England. Like why? Why is that? I don't understand why. Well, they also, they talk about about Hogsmeade and it is the only all wizard place, but they aren't like, you know, flying around on brooms like other people drive past on cars. They're not walking their magical peacocks around. (laughs) Um, Just really odd. Like Harry kind of talks about, oh, yeah, we go to these shops and oh, these are just these fancy things. But you don't hear about people being super wizardy within that community in an an odd way like you do, say, at the um, Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. And you hear about all these fantastic tents and like the kid who is growing a slug with his wand until it bursts and if I had to go camping I'm going camping with the Weasleys um yeah that is the only way to get me to camp in a tent is if I have a tent bunk beds in it like the Weasleys yeah wouldn't that be nice I I think it's hilarious that Mr. Weasley makes them set it up manually (laughs) and it still is very magical inside like I can understand why Harry was so surprised because he's like I literally put these things together 10 minutes ago with and it's the most fragile thing and then you walk inside and it's this three-bedroom flat okay the other thing about Hogsmeade that I thought was interesting is that they had to have their parents permission to go Uh uh-huh and I'm like I don't really understand that (laughs) it's like no one seems to have any problem with anyone walking around Diagon Alley which has just the same kind of shops the same kind of like pub type places whatever but I'm like why what is it about that makes Hogsmeade so special that you have to be a third year? Right. Why can't the 11 and 12 year olds go to Hogsmeade? They probably need adult supervision. You really don't think after reading these books that Harry, Ron, and Hermione don't need adult supervision at 13? Mm, that's a valid point. <laughs> but you can't. Uh. I don't imagine being hugely different between being 12 and 13 in the amount of responsibility. That they sure. take them on themselves. But I could kind of understand that being why they might need like somebody, you're an adult's permission to leave the school where they would be unsupervised. But also, but they do things all the time. Like Quidditch is a pretty dangerous game. Yeah. But he doesn't need permission for that one. We don't have a problem with an 11 year old doing yeah, that. You're the youngest ever. Oh, that's right. All of your bones got removed. Oh, well, whoops, <laughs> our bad. <laughs> okay any other locations that stand out that i mean we can always come back to it because we can always come we back don't to have it. a ton of topics but <laughs> let's pick another one spin around and around i double, told you i double, really double. do have a legit randomizer going with all of this movie differences Ooh. okay megan has told me already that she has two major issues with the movies i would like to know which movies they are okay which books which books have the grotesque whatever problems okay with which ones are they okay 
by two major things. And they're both, I guess they're both mostly Prisoner of Azkaban, which uh, my favorite book changes every time I read it, which is almost once a year. Um, I say almost because I don't read it every year, but it's almost every year. And uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is at least in my top two. And it bothers me that in the movies, they never specified, like literally it would have been one line, but they never specified that it was Harry's dad and Lupin and Sirius that were the the makers of the Marauder's Map. Okay. I feel like that would have made it just that much more of a richer thing. Like it, it would have meant so much more to Harry to know, I have this piece of my dad in my hand, where okay. it's his dad that he never got to know. The other thing that really bugs me is that it, uh, really it's the whole the whole way through, I feel like. They distill Ron into this char- this comedic relief character and um, give a lot of Ron's like best and strongest lines to Hermione because the guy who wrote, like I kind of understand why they wanted to build up Hermione because she's the main girl in the series and they want her to be a strong figure for other girls to come and see. They really wanted to make her likable and book Hermione is sometimes really bossy and kind of obnoxious and not a perfect person but movie (laughs) Hermione is kind of extra perfect uh but there's a line in um Prisoner of Azkaban where they're in the Shrieking Shack and they're facing off with Sirius Black and in the movie it's Hermione who says if you're gonna get to Harry you have to get through us first and in the books it's Ron who says that okay and it's Ron Ron lying on the bed with a broken leg (laughs) like barely can do anything he's like nope you have to get through us before, and he's like, I mean, he's a thirteen-year-old wizard. What is he gonna with a broken leg and no wand? What is he gonna do? But that it just speaks to how strong Ron is because we find out later on in the series that Ron has a lot of conflicting loyalties. He's not a perfect friend. Mm-hmm. None of them are. Um, but it just Ron is one of my favorite characters because I feel like I know what it's like to be the best friend to kind of be the. You know, my friends are all really amazing and talented and so am I, but you don't notice because my friends are so amazing and talented. This is not me putting myself down, you guys. It's just sometimes I get this self-view of myself where I, I look at these, I, I read these books or I read these or I watch these movies and I think, yeah, I'm kind of the best friend in this scenario. I love my friends and I want to support them, but it can be really hard. Well, and I think the books do a really good job in... Um, those conversations between Hermione and Harry mm-hmm. when Ron is so upset with Harry in the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. He's just been picked. He's underage. Mm-hmm. And Ron thinks that he's just in it for the glory, the, the glory of it. Again. Readers, Rita Skeeter is writing all of these ridiculous stories about him, yeah. hyping him up. And Ron is, again, like he is the, what, fifth son? Sixth. Sixth son. Yes, because there are twins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Percy, I, I, Percy I tend to forget about Percy is yeah. actually the one I forget about because Percy, Percy's Percy. Anyway. Percy makes choices. So he's the sixth son. All of his brothers have been doing these fantastic things. Yeah. Prefect, head boy, blah, blah, blah. And so, and then he has all of a sudden his best friend is Harry Potter. And totally outshines him all the time too. And it's fun listening to the conversations between him Ron, or Harry and Hermione where Hermione has to remind Harry of that. Yeah. The, look, yes, what you're doing, you didn't ask for it. Yeah. But you have a best friend who is a fantastic best friend. Who is really trying hard to shine in some way. And he just wants to be noticed and appreciated. Yeah. And he doesn't get enough of that. And I feel like the the movie people 
did him dirty where I'm just like poor Ron already feels unappreciated in this series and then all of his best lines get given to Hermione and he's I mean Rupert Grant is hilarious as Ron he makes me so happy in the role but I do wish that he got a little bit more credit because Mm -hmm. people are really quick to be like oh yeah Ron he's so disloyal and such a bad friend well no not really he just he has his own baggage and, and his own stuff to deal with too and Harry doesn't always have I mean Harry is going through so much he doesn't have the emotional intelligence or capacity to be able to help support Ron while he's going through his own stuff Mm -hmm. too. And I think that's another point where I think the books do a better job in portraying the friendship that is between the three of them Mm -hmm. as opposed to the movie Mm -hmm. where, I mean, because in the books you get to hear so much more of the backstory, the thought process of what goes into the scenes where in the movies you're just watching them play out. It's when they are going into, um, it's in the very first book with the um, Sorcerer's Stone and they're going through all of the The challenges challenges that the professors have created, Mm -hmm. which is actually longer in the books than it is in the movie, which I had forgotten about. It's also way more exciting in the movies (laughs) like I got through the whole key with the broomstick thing in the books and it's like oh they don't go chasing him in killer key fashion and everything I can see why they cut this out yeah I can see why they changed it there are definitely some like some stuff that happens that I'm like oh yes because as a movie this would be kind of boring yeah let's make it a little bit more interesting But I think they give Ron a little bit more credit in some of these scenes where you realize it's not all Hermione just being the smart one, even though she is. It's more like you still have Ron, who is rather smart. Mm -hmm. He doesn't work as hard as Hermione. I don't know anyone who works as hard as Hermione. Nobody does. But he's still succeeding. Right. So. Yeah. Anyway. I just think it's funny because there's a lot of things that the movies definitely made bigger yeah just because they probably seemed more exciting and cinematic and fun like when harry has to face off the dragon in the oh my gosh the goblet of fire and in the book it's like oh i got my broomstick and i got around the dragon and the dragon went away and i got my egg and i flew off and it was fine and i won but in the movie the dragon escapes and the dragon like chases him around the castle and destroys part of the castle and it's very exciting to watch not so exciting if you had to watch it the way it was written originally in right. in the books. But I think, I don't know. Like, I can understand why they did it that way in the movies. But also, I'm just like, okay, but seriously, why is nobody else trying to help out? I guess it kind of happened pretty fast. <laughs> and the dragon keepers may not have brooms. But really, they're just letting this 14-year-old tear around with a dragon chasing it. <laughs> you didn't try to reinforce our harder. Like, oh. But we can't yeah. save him or else that would defeat the purpose of the challenge. Oh, yeah. No, he knew what he was getting into when he didn't submit his own name. Come on. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm going to spin again. Did you have other things that you wanted to say about the? Okay. No, I'm good. Are you good? I'm going to spin again. I'm pretty good. Um, I would like to say, I think Lucius Malfoy, the way he's portrayed in the movies. Well, really, all of the Malfoys are a lot nastier in the movies than they are in the books. I think... Um, Lucius especially I love I've heard Jason Isaacs talk about it a couple of like I, he keeps coming to Fan X in Salt Lake City and he people will ask him you know what was it like being in the Harry Potter series what was Lucius Malfoy like and it's so fun to listen to him talk about this character because he's like well he's your basic racist mm-hmm. like he hates muggles and originally apparently his character design was he was supposed to have 
you know, just his regular short dark hair with like a little silver at the temples and then wear a business suit. And he was like, no, no, no. Strange this guy hates muggles. Is how I see like he'd look like Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's so handsome. <laughs> I love Jason Isaacs. Not a secret. Um, but he, he was like, no, this guy hates muggles. There's no way. He would be, and so he like came out from his costume fitting and like found a mop head and stuck it on his head and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have long hair." And the doctor's like, "Okay." He's like, "I'm I'm gonna wear this long robe." And they're like, okay. And so the costumers had to figure out something for him, but it ended up really informing. Well, and a really, lot of the, the adults the in the books are way more wizarding. Mm-hmm. They talk about it all the time because that's one thing that Harry's aunt and uncle have a massive problem with. Yes, is that they don't look like na- normal people. Yeah. That they are wizards and they wear wizarding robes everywhere. Even when you talk, they, they'll give a description in the book of Ron's parents. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> not in dresses and pants and suits. And, like, they are always in wizarding robes of varying colors. Like, Rita Skeeter's the same way. She's always in these different robes. They're not yeah. wearing more normalized clothes. Yeah, I think I... They the costuming in the films, especially for the school uniforms, because again they're described as just being like these long flowing robes. Mm-hmm. Um, but private school is a bigger like going away from home school is a bigger thing in the UK than it is here yeah. in the states. Um, and they wear those kind of uniforms, so I wonder if it was just kind of they're thinking this is a way to make it a little bit more relatable and a little bit more palatable for the masses mm-hmm. because they didn't want people, only the people who read the books to come see the movies. They wanted everybody to see them. Um, and they did and they were very successful. But I, I kind of think that too sometimes when I read them where it talks about, it's again going back to the Quidditch World Cup and you have like the one guy wearing this long flowing nightgown and another wizard saying please just put on these trousers like no i bought this in a muggle shop she goes but the women wear them the women okay yeah, and you have like another guy to wearing normalize a the wizards instead yeah. of just letting them be wizards and as a costumer i can completely understand that because <laughs> the idea of having to costume all of those extras in wizarding robes oh, makes my head hurt it's so true whereas if you just have a whole bunch of black pants and white shirts and gray yeah sweaters, you're good but that's yeah. just my opinion. Yeah. All of you with your extra, your ties and whatever color. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to move on. Okay. To magical creatures. Okay. So I completely forgot. I don't know if you, I know Megan has. Any okay. of our listeners, if you have watched the Fantastic Beast movies, oh. the Niffler that he is constantly, I don't even know. Gosh, what's his name? I don't remember. Eddie Redmayne is the actor that oh, plays. Newt. Newt yes. Gannander. Thank you. I'm like, what is his name? And he writes I'm one of the books. I'm trying to think of the Niffler's name. I'm like, I know, I know no, this one. No, not the Niffler's name. The, the wizard. Newt Scalamander. But he has a Niffler. Yeah. Who is a gold-hungry little creature that Hagrid actually introduces us to mm-hmm. in, now I don't know what book it was. Goblet of Fire. I knew Megan would know. I'm sorry. Of course, Should I Megan have let you try know. to remember? No, because I would have actually guessed The Prisoner of Azkaban. But... Oh, now I'm scared I'm wrong. I'm not. Go ahead. I don't believe you are. But it's one of those, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, that's actually kind of fun. And, like, I didn't even put those together. Because yeah. so many of, especially the magical creatures Hagrid introduces, are kind of like, oh, that was a class. And let's move on. Yeah. 
Like, and that's all these really were, that they were just a class where they were given a challenge to see whose Niffler could dig up the most gold coins, yep. which I thought was funny. Like, it's a cute little creature, but I don't know. Now, all of a sudden, I want one. Not even, like, a real <laughs> one. I don't need to keep track of a real one. I just want, like, a little stuffed niffler oh they have them i'm sure they do you could find one i need to go to the magical creature shop somewhere yeah, in do. the wizarding world i wonder there used to be there was a pop-up shop at the mall the last couple of years it was like oh a yeah Harry potter pop-up shop and i know they had them there too here at in salt lake here in salt lake city we are in salt lake um yeah but newt scamander that character the main character in fantastic beasts wrote the textbook that harry and everybody uses the Fantastic Beast, which is called Fantastic Beast, somewhere, somewhere to, to find them. them. Yes, I have a copy. I have read it. It's adorable. <laughs> um, I'm not defensive. I'm pretty pleased, actually. Uh, but yeah, they they come up with these characters. A lot of them get referenced later on, though. Like, it's one of those things. I think um, J.K. Rowling does really well in these books is that she sets up things that end up becoming important later. And not even just in that book. But like in later books, mm-hmm. which I think is really fun. But like, I mean, if you want an example of one that she sets up in the beginning of um, The Prisoner of Azkaban, literally Harry's first class, they learn about the hippogriffs. Mm-hmm. And then Buckbeak ends up being like this true line thing, which again, in the movies, they mention him like twice. And then Hagrid's like, he's been sentenced to death. And everybody goes, who? What? I don't care. <laughs> But Buckbeat becomes very instrumental in saving Sirius Black at the end. Mm-hmm. And so she does a really good job setting those things up. Uh, would we count somebody like Dobby as a magical creature? Yes. I would classify him as magical creature. The okay. centaurs that show up mm-hmm. in um, Chamber of Secrets mm-hmm. that Harry meets in the forest. Yep. Which don't... I mean, it's one of those things. There are a lot of things I think we're going to talk about. That you have to read the books to yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah. Because they just don't appear in the movies whatsoever. Right. So, but yeah, the house elves is a huge issue in um, yes. Goblet of Fire. Yes. Because you have Winky, mm-hmm. who is... Um, Barty Crouch. Crouch's. Yes. I was trying to think if it was the, the minister. No, it's Barty Crouch's house elf. Yeah. That you kind of get introduced to... That is a very different type of house elf than Dobby, because mm-hmm. you we see Dobby in um, Chamber of Secrets, mm-hmm. and we know that he is the house elf or was to the Malfoys, right? And poor thing goes out of his way at great peril to himself on very self-inflicted peril to yes. himself. Oh my gosh! To go and try and rescue this boy he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really sweet when you realize what Dobby sacrificed. Yeah. Because he heard the Malfoys, something happened. And with how loyal the house elves are to their families, especially Mm -hmm. when they've been serving them forever, the fact that there's a house elf out there that would have defied the Malfoys is kind of surprising. Yeah. It it just, it shows how special Dobby is in that way. I I love in... um, uh, Hermione starts starts off the whole spew business, self-promotion of elvish welfare, I want to say. And she tries to get Hagrid to join. And Hagrid's like, nope, actually, they don't want to be freed. They like it. They like 
doing what they do. And Hermione's like, except for Dobby. And he goes, well, you get weirdos in every <laughs> I mean, you get weirdos everywhere. You just have them. Because all of the other house elves that we meet are very happy to take care of their families. I think part of it, though, like the Malfoys don't really sound like a pleasant family to work for. But so. it doesn't sound like the Crouches are really all that pleasant a family to work for either. And no, Winky is heartbroken to be let go. And she is loyal to the end. But I could also see it be a little bit of conditioning where it's like, it's like when you lose your job and you don't know what you're going to do next. It is the scariest thing. And that's literally like all she ever thought she was going to do, all she ever wanted to do, all she knows how to She loved those people. She's horrified. It's so hard. But I think that's what makes Dobby such an anomaly. Because mm-hmm. he really is. Yeah. It's, it's Dobby the one that's different. Yeah. Because all of the other house elves, as we get into like going into the kitchens for the first time, yeah. and you get to see how the, the food at the castle actually works, where it just like magically gets absorbed up through the tables, or yeah. this is how I imagine it in my head. <laughs> through the floors, into the tables, onto their plates. Which is so funny, because that was something I never thought of until I got to that book and went, oh yeah, how does, where does the, food the food get up there? It's, That's so weird. It's magic. Can I just say though... <laughs> Uh, one of the most, J.K. Rowling, she has this very awkward way of trying to like hint at something without saying it outright because she wants it to be a surprise until we actually talk about it. And specifically, I mean the Dementors, which in The Prisoner of Azkaban are referred to as the Azkaban Guards Mm -hmm. for like three chapters. And it's really clunky every time because after that, Nobody ever calls them the Azkaban guards. They just call them the Dementors. But she writes it that way because she wants to keep it a surprise until we actually see what the Dementors are. And they're like, what is this horrifying creature? And she goes, oh, well, those are the Dementors of Azkaban and they guard the." And you're just like, oh, because before then you don't know how terrifying they are. They're Uh just kind of like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore really doesn't want the Azkaban guards there. But everybody else feels safer with blah, 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 blah. And it's just so clunky and it makes me crazy every time I read it. I'm just... (laughs) Just say it. it's not. I mean, I guess, I guess once you say the word, you have to describe what it is. Otherwise, everybody's just sitting there going, "What? What is that? Is that something I'm supposed to know already? What's happening?" Um, well, that's one thing we all understand. They they explained what Azkaban is. Mm-hmm. It's the the wizarding prison. We know it's horrible because Hagrid is sent there and he's yes, scarred and for they're, life. After they're, we all know this is a scary place, mm-hmm. and we all know prisons have guards. Mm-hmm. And so, as a reader, you can definitely understand, like, oh, prison guards i get it yeah and it's a horrible place yeah. i mean i've watched a lot of crime drama movie like tv shows and stuff oh, yeah. where prison guards are just nasty yeah they're corrupt and everything and so you get this idea in your head like oh this is what prison must be like for the wizards and then they use the term dementor and they have to describe what it is and then yeah you're like oh yeah these are soul-sucking creatures it's a combination between demon and tormentor like suck the happiness out of everything they enjoy it yeah and all of a sudden it's very it's different than just the idea of oh you're in prison life sucks i'm sorry yeah but the idea of spending time in prison with like no happy thoughts yeah nothing that mentally is getting you through that day to day to day like yeah i can definitely understand that idea and that's i guess that built of suspense Mm mm-hmm because, I mean, it is, we all read books. That's yep. kind of why we're here on the podcast is we kind of enjoy books. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of power in words. Mm-hmm. And I think she's done, um, J.K. Rowling has done a fantastic job 
introducing us to these magical creatures that are different than some of these fantasy creatures in yeah. some of the previous fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there is this entire world out there that we can't see that we are being kept from. Right. I remember I had a friend, bless her little heart. She was probably <laughs> 17 at the time when I talked to her. I'm a little on the cynical side. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. Okay. And she was very adamant that the wizarding world existed and that we were just muggles living in this world that J.K. Rowling had somehow weaseled her way into yeah. and is now writing a nonfiction fiction book about this. And I'm like, yeah. I am really frustrated talking to you because I can't take you seriously. <laughs> I've heard that theory before that she was like but... cast from the wizarding world because she outed it to all of the rest of us. Yeah. So it is. It's out there. Thank yeah. you, conspiracy theorists <laughs> that are yeah. going to hold true to this and are going to comment that Megan and I are just non-believing muggles. Except we love it. We love, we, uh, I love it. I would love, I, there's so many reasons why I would love for it to be real and other reasons why I'm like, no, there's a reason why it was set in the 90s before cell phones and all not. of those things because they would not work at Hogwarts and that's just a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down. But I, I would like to mention that I think it's really cool that the, um, uh, remedy to the sadness and the horror that you feel after being with a Dementor is chocolate. <laughs> I mean, I'm so sad for anybody who doesn't like chocolate and that just doesn't like that just makes it worse for you, I would imagine. But um, she has mentioned that the Dementors do symbolize depression and mm-hmm. that is something that they're like chocolate helps with depression somehow. I'm not a doctor. Please don't quote things at me. Thank you. Also, endorphins. If we, <laughs> yeah. If we get things wrong, please don't yell at us. But you know, yell on discord people will yell with you and they'll also be nice discord is a lovely place our discord is really nice and feel free to tag us in it so we will see you yelling at us yeah i do see those um but i i do have a hashtag anytime i'm talking about chocolate on like the instagram where it's hashtag chocolate for your dementors and as far as i can tell i'm the only one who actually says that but i feel that way sometimes oh i'm sad here's some chocolate cake is it better? I don't know, but cake is delicious. <laughs> okay, let's spin again. And we can always come back because that's the joy of spinning. <laughs> double, double toil and trouble, fire burning. We are at Porfessors. Okay. And I have a feeling that you might want to talk about McGonagall. I love Professor McGonagall, you guys. This last read through. She definitely became my favorite character because she is this poor woman. She's I don't know how long she's been a professor. I, as far as I know, they don't specify that. But you can just imagine how many students she has taught. She teaches the Gryffindors, the Gryffindors who are kind of the foolhardy. We're going to go and do things and don't always. I mean, I guess most teenage first of all she works in the school for teenagers are you talking about that she teaches the Gryffindors or she's in charge of the Gryffindors both she teaches them but she I was also like she teaches oversees. everyone right she teaches everyone but she's like in charge of the Gryffindors yes she um is which there. being a Gryffindor makes sense um she would have a natural affinity for those students but I just think that this woman she has this wonderful little wicked sense of humor <laughs> Which just makes me very happy. I love that she takes she takes the time with each of the kids and she really cares about them. Like mm-hmm. she 
she knows that Harry has been abused because she's literally the first magical creature, first magical person that we meet um, in the first chapter of the Sorcerer's Stone because you, you know, this cat is she's reading the cat a sign. On the corner. Yeah. She's the cat on the corner and she's very concerned about Harry and she's like, these are the worst muggles I've ever seen. These people are terrible. You're really going to leave this child with these people? And so when he shows up to school, like she kind of takes Harry under her wing. Like she's quiet about it because she can't really show preferential treatment. But she cares about Harry in a way that nobody really ever has before. And she's able to have direct contact with him to help take care of him. And at the same time, when Harry comes to her for like the fifth time with some conspiracy theory, she's just like, really, Potter? Really? Really? <laughs> No, go away, teenage boy. The adults have this. We're fine. She's one of the characters that I wouldn't mind getting like a novella about. Yeah. Finding out a little bit more of her backstory and how she came to Hogwarts, as well as some of the other relationships that she might have with some of the other students. Okay. Like how close she becomes to, to some of these stronger students. Like there's a moment where they talk about... Um, Neville's relationship with Professor Sprout. Yes. Because he kind of has this affinity for the plants and everything, Mm -hmm. which is one of those things that I'm pretty sure everyone has questioned how Neville ends up in Gryffindor when he is obviously a Hufflepuff. And he even, like, holds on to those values because Neville would make a fantastic Hufflepuff. Yeah. I'm sure he wanted to be a Hufflepuff. (laughs) I could see that. But I'm curious as to, like, with McGonagall, where... Because I'm sorry, I'm an adult, and I'm going to tell you, I have worked with children, and I have my favorites. And any adult that tells you they don't have favorites is lying. I liked, And I like to think that Harry's dad and the other marauders were some of McGonagall's favorites. Or she was like, oh my gosh, those kids were the worst, but man, they were hilarious. Yeah. I, I love them. completely <laughs> would believe that. Yeah. But it's that kind of thing. I mean, if for anyone that has worked with children, you might love all of them equally, but you're going to have your favorites. Oh, yeah. And don't lie to me and say that you don't because okay. I won't believe you. But she, yeah, she's just one of those. There's other professors that I'm like, eh, they're okay. Or we just don't get to hear about enough of them for me to feel a connection that I want to know more. But McGonagall is yeah. definitely oh. one that I would love to know more about. She's obviously been at Hogwarts for a very long time. Mm-hmm. She's the one that becomes the interim head master, like headmistress yeah. when um, Dumbledore is asked to leave for the short time period that he does. And so she's obviously like second in command. Mm-hmm. She's one of the older, older teachers, I guess. Yeah. Well, and she's highly trusted. Like she and Dumbledore, you kind of get the feeling are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Like he definitely tr- listens to her and trusts her. Uh, pro- I mean, maybe it's because they're both Gryffindors, but um. Yeah, like her opinion is valuable and she does definitely have a very level head. She has, she's another one of those people that kind of goes nuts for Quidditch when Quidditch comes around. <laughs> she loves the Quidditch. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, McGonagall just makes me happy. Like there's more in the other books that maybe I will say more later. Uh, but just in these first couple of books, it's just really nice to have um, an adult in Harry's corner that he does feel like he can go to and he can talk to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really like bear his soul to anyone, but it, he at least knows that somebody is looking out for him who cares about him. My favorite professor that has appeared in the first four books is Lupin. <gasps> yeah. I love when Lupin took over defense against the dark arts. Yeah. And I feel like even 
reading the bits and pieces from the students, all of the students, not even just the Gryffindors and Harry, yeah. but all of the students were like, yes, this is what this class is meant to be. Mm-hmm. We're learning about dark creatures. We're learning how to defend ourselves. Like, this is what this class was meant to be. Right. And I I love Lupin. And I love the conversations that he has. And I love that he's not, that he's the professor type and he knows his responsibilities. But at the same time, he understands that these are teenagers and that they have crap that they're dealing with. Yeah. I think a lot of times as adults, we can discount what teenagers go through. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all been there. We've done that. And we, we all, all made it through. We got through it. And forget how dramatic it was to go through that when you're trying to figure out, especially someone that has had the life like Harry has had, where he's been raised in an abusive home. Then all of a sudden he gets this new complete world thrusted upon him. Where he's famous. That Yeah. Everyone knows who he is and his story and he doesn't even know who he is in his story. So that's really unfair to have someone like Lupin come in. That I think is just, I don't know, for me, I think if I was in that school, he was one of those teachers I probably would have gravitated towards and was like, I would have worked extra hard in his class because he's the type that knows how to support his students and to help them succeed. And I think when they are first fighting the Bogart with Neville Mm -hmm. and he works through Neville with his problems and stuff and he's very matter of fact about it. Like, yes, Snape is very scary. Yep. And Neville has every reason to be terrified of him. But it wasn't a, oh, well, I know Snape and he's not that scary. Why yeah. are you scared of him? But like legitimately helps him work through his fear and how to overcome that. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a fun way to mentally overcome your fears. Like not only is this like a magic thing that's happening, but it also helps you as a reader going, okay, this is what I'm scared of. And it's one of the few spells that my son knows. Like, he knows the ridiculous spell. (laughs) And he'll say it to anything, and it's hilarious, and it's funny. But it's just kind of one of those nice things that when you're in your real life, that you can be like, okay, this is scary. How can I visualize this not scary? Yeah. Which I I just love that, that scene, that part of the books with Lupin. I do, too. I, I just also think Lupin is such a tragic character, especially in this part, in, in the third and fourth books, where Lupin, I think one of the reasons why he is so empathetic towards the students is because being at Hogwarts was the best part of Lupin's life. And he left Hogwarts and just had a really hard life because he's a werewolf. Like, mm-hmm. he has to hide that fact. He can't hold on to jobs. His robes are very shabby. And then he's invited back to Hogwarts, the place that he loved the most and where everybody knows what he is and they just kind of accept it. And they're like, well, okay, you're sick. So somebody else will come in and take your place. That's fine. We know you're not faking because we know what the thing <laughs> is. Uh, and so it's it's a refuge for him as well. And I think also getting to work with Harry is very healing for him. Because he still has a lot of guilt and a lot of sadness. It, um, James Potter was one of Lupin's best friends. Mm-hmm. And he knew James and Lily really well. And then they died and Lupin didn't get, know what happened to their kid. And it's just kind of like well, all of a sudden your whole world is ripped away. And also on top of that, I mean, he had that that triad of friends mm-hmm. between James, him, and Sirius. Yeah. 
and he lost one of them and according to him at the time was because of his other best friend right so not only did he lose his best friend because he died he was betrayed like the ultimate betrayal i would imagine that even as a young adult having a young child and stuff like where he was in that life he was probably in his 20s yeah they were 21 and that's something how the movies definitely age up all of the adults because Mm. they wanted to have alan rickman play severus snape and Alan Rickman is very obviously not 35. But he is very obviously Severus He is Snape. so perfect. <laughs> um, so they aged everybody else up. But it kind of takes away the horror of the fact that James and Lily were 21. Of when this when actually all happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, And I think so it's bad. another thing that I... The more that you keep talking about Hogwarts and Hogwarts being home. And we can kind of tie this in. I'm going to bring this up too because it's Hagrid. Who oh, yeah. is a half giant. Oh, I love Hagrid. And the idea of how racist mm-hmm. the wizarding world really is. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, anything that is not normal is bad. Yeah. And what a horrible way to think through things. Yeah. Like, you have Hagrid, who is this loving, caring, very large man. Mm-hmm. Because he's a half giant that's a part of him that he needs to keep hidden. There's a big conversation and problem that happens with um, Madame Maxine Mm -hmm. in Goblet of Fire because Hagrid knows that she's a half giant and she won't admit to it. Right. Because giants are bad and they're scary and people, they kill people. and Yeah. And so they must not be trusted, even though people know them and love them. And that's one of the things that I I appreciate about Hogwarts Hogwarts. Hagrid's story in um, in Goblet of Fire is when Hagrid goes to Dumbledore and says, I'll resign, I'll leave. And Dumbledore says, I have so many letters from parents of students who knew you when they were students who would be very angry if I let you go, Hagrid. You're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. This is your home. But and it's just that idea of it's – it doesn't matter what world you live in. It doesn't matter what's going on, that there are going to be people that are going to hate other people for really no apparent reason. For things they have no control over. Whatsoever. Because Lupin's yeah. in that same boat. Yeah. He lost his job. He was let go because it came out that he's a werewolf. Which is very scary and very dangerous. But he'd been there for a year. He went through school. Yeah. How many of these parents could look back and go, oh, I remember him from school. I went to school with him. I survived. Right? We never knew. Like, so many worse things have happened during Harry's years of Hogwarts. It must not be that bad because I went to school with him. I had no idea he was a werewolf. Like, yeah. yeah. It's true. I don't know. I I adore Hagrid. He just, he's another one of those that I think doesn't get enough credit for how much he loves and cares for Harry. And is that person who's really trying to take Harry's side in any way and offer him comfort and says, hey, come come hang out with me for tea. I know you guys all feel like the odd one's out. You need a break. Come to my house for tea and I will come and take care of you. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's something that Harry needs because he hasn't had a whole lot of positive adult experience in his life. Enter Severus Snape who continues to not be a positive adult in his life. But we don't have to talk about him now. There's so much more we could say about him later. We might come back to him because there's so much we can talk about Severus Snape. And I don't even know what time we are at. Yeah, I don't know when we started. Should I, I get up and look? didn't keep tabs on the time. We are currently at 53 minutes. And we're going to keep going for a little bit longer. Is that okay with everyone? 
Good. I'm Thank glad. Thank you. <laughs> if you are done listening to us, you can go ahead and hit the stop button. Or the pause button and come back later. And come back because we'll still be here talking Harry Potter because <laughs> there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. There are so many characters in this big, huge world that I think J.K. Rawlings has done a really good job at building. Yeah. So. No, I agree. Uh, I do want to make a slightly controversial statement that I think Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye Moody is a really excellent teacher. I realize he had ulterior motives of trying to keep Harry alive and like helping him through the whole goblet of fire, trial of fire, um, being able to get to the end to reach his own means, blah, blah, blah. Tri-Wizard Tournament? Yes, that's it. (laughs) That's the one. The Tri-Wizard Tournament. There you go. Thank you, Stephanie. Look at me. I, I... helped Megan out Stephanie I'm gonna pat myself on the back I think I we compliment each other well um I really like her y'all I'm glad she's my friend uh but I he he definitely teaches Harry a lot like he kind of he should not be putting the imperious curse on Harry but definitely teaches Harry that he can throw it off and that there are weaknesses he helps Harry to learn the Accio spell Accio 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 is um, how it is pronounced in the audiobooks. Thank you, Jim Dale. Uh, I he's a really good and I know it's not Mad Eye Moody, but I like there's always been a part of me that was a little bummed that the actual Mad Eye Moody didn't come back the next year to teach. I understand why. He was very paranoid. Literally got his know, worst fears. His worst fears happened. realized. I can understand he'd be like, "No, I'm I'm done. I'm out. I gave you that year even though I didn't do what you wanted during that year." But he still like Harry still learned a lot during his fourth year and so there's a moment I think he's a really good teacher after they are talking about the unforgettable unforgivable curses Mm -hmm. that everyone leaves the the classroom and he calls Neville back yes because he has really just tortured Neville Mm -hmm. by and knew exactly what he was doing yes by torturing a spider using the exact same curse that was used to torture his parents yes Neville's parents and I am curious I the farther we get into the book you find out that that is probably the moment that he helped because he used Neville to help Harry yeah he gave Neville the book about the water plants yeah that didn't actually end up working because then he had to go and use Dobby but right in but I think it's probably that conversation that happened with Neville Mm -hmm. but I'm also curious as to if there was more to that conversation because at the moment, they make it seem like it's a very touching moment for Mad-Eye mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I understand. I just tortured this student, and I was well aware of it. And yeah. I'm like, not really sorry I did it. But at the same time, you kind of feel like in the books when you're reading through it, like at this moment, I felt like, oh, okay, well, he's at least going to to confront Neville about- Yeah, it feels sincere. About what he did. And then, of course, then you find out that, oh, maybe it wasn't as sincere. And it could have just been as much of- Hey, Neville, I heard you liked plants. Here's yeah. a book. You can go now. And it might not be as a heartfelt conversation as I feel like I want it to be. I know. I because also... Mad-Eye, as, like, Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye really is a, a semi-decent person. Yeah, he sells it. He, and I think that's, now that you're you're talking about this, because I've never really thought about this before, but that can definitely be a moment where he's like, oh, I may have just tripped up. Because I kind of just did that on purpose to this child and then realized, 
oh, you're Neville Longbottom. But I, I wonder if he kind of saw that as a, ooh, what if he tells somebody about this and they go, that's really weird and somehow put two and two together, which is a really long shot. Yeah. Like, it's not terribly likely. But somebody who's like laid all of those plans down um, would like, I could see him being paranoid enough to go, ugh. Maybe I should try to cover my tracks a little bit with that kid. But I can also see him taking a moment. Like, Barty Crouch Jr. did his homework. He knew Mad-Eye Moody. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew how to imitate him. Nobody knew that it wasn't really Mad-Eye Moody that whole time. And and I could also see him saying, you know what? Moody actually would do this in, that, in this moment where he would, like, have a really soft, sweet moment with this kid and be like, hey. That was really intense. I'm so sorry. I heard that you're really good at plants. Would you like to read this book? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just, it's one of those things that having reread this and like thought through it, I'm like, I'm kind of curious what that conversation looked like. Because yeah. that's probably, at least in these four books, one of the biggest surprises on that mm-hmm. first read through mm-hmm. is to find out that Mad-Eye is not Mad-Eye. Yeah. And it's not until he takes Harry away after Dumbledore specifically says not to that anyone even thinks twice about it yeah i i was surprised i was like what what is that like that's also though one of the things i really enjoy about the rereads is going through and and finding all of the spots where you think oh that is definitely him being barty crouch Uh where like um turning malfoy into a ferret (laughs) malfoy the bouncing ferret because he does that like Uh, mad eye moody legit would have been like no i hate it when somebody you know raises their wand at somebody's back but also the malfoys got off scot-free and barty crouch was sent to azkaban like just for being implicated and so of course he's gonna take it out on malfoy's son and when you find out when barty crouch jr is talking to harry at the end of the books that he is absolutely dedicated to voldemort oh yeah and is very upset because he wants to know who showed up to the the cemetery Mm -hmm. when they brought voldemort back who was it who was was he mad at the people who weren't there yeah what happened to them did they get punished because they i could definitely see him taking malfoy out of that and be like yes i'm going to treat you like crap because i do not like your parents right like I could definitely They didn't see get punished, so you are right now. Barty Crouch Jr. doing that, not Mad Eye. I mean, like you can still see Mad Eye Moody once you get to know him better as an actual character. Being yeah. like, yes, he would definitely turn Draco into a ferret, but Ugh, such a good character, y'all. <laughs> Even like Mad Eye Moody is an excellent character, but Barty Crouch is Mad Eye Moody so good too. Yeah. He's so good. Okay. I just love it. Should we move on? Do we need to talk about Dumbledore at all? Should we talk about him in the next episode? Maybe. Okay. Because, yeah. Because we only have like five minutes left. I know. And we, <laughs> we haven't, haven't even talked, talked to, like, we've talked about characters, but we haven't even got. So we haven't talked about Harry at all. We haven't talked about <laughs> Harry Potter. We've talked a little bit about Ron. So I have spells and potions. Okay. Do you have any favorite spells or potions that pop up? I mean, I'm super lazy, so that Accio spell just sounds great. The idea that something's going to come from you from anywhere. Yeah, if it'll if it'll open and close a fridge for me and just like range whatever I have in there that I want to eat, that would be great. I'd like to know. I we don't know the specific householdy spells, but I'd like to know the spells that Molly Weasley uses to clean her house and to cook all the delicious food. <laughs> I could definitely use anything that will help me cook. Yeah, where I don't actually have to cook. Yeah, that would definitely be a spell I would be all over finding out. Um, 
Nothing else is coming to mind, though. I wouldn't mind. Polyjuice is a huge oh, that's spell true. or potion that we hear about. Mm-hmm. Because both Hermione creates it in Chamber of Secrets mm-hmm. to find out who the heir of Slytherin is when yeah. they think it's Draco. They're wrong, by the way. <laughs> In case you didn't know. But eventually... Not Draco Malfoy. Every time... Yeah, this is only tangentially related. But every time Harry goes, it's Draco Malfoy. I just know it. It makes me think of... Have, have you ever watched... There's a, a cartoon series from the 80s called Gem and the Holograms. Uh-huh. Every single episode. And I tried to rewatch it like a couple years ago and my friend. But I borrowed her DVDs because she had the DVDs. And she's like, I, it's not as good as you remember it. And I watched it and I just got so frustrated about, it took me like 10 episodes in, but I was like, every time something wrong, she goes, the misfits are behind this. And I'm like, it could be someone else. It wasn't. It was always the misfits, but it drove me crazy. So Harry does that and, I'll, and I can kind of see why his friends get so annoyed. And it's like, it's not always Malfoy. It's not a, until you get to book six when it is actually Malfoy, spoiler. Um, and... Uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Sorry. Anyway, next topic. <laughs> the air yeah. Slytherin is what we were talking about. We were talking about, the, oh, because of the polyjuice potion. Yeah. Poly, and, you know, we kind of touched on it, how Hermione is so bright. But they talk a little bit about how complicated polyjuice potion is mm-hmm. and how amazing it is that nobody noticed that they were brewing it. Like nobody ever went in there. Nobody ever smelled. Because you hear other instances of people going into Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Yeah. Um, but apparently they just didn't for that month, I guess, because it was next to the big old, you know, enemies of the air beware. Yeah. Uh, sign. But everybody laughs about Hermione's, um, I have, a t- I have this on a t-shirt where it says, uh, you could get us all killed or worse expelled. Uh-huh. Hmm. Which is, I, I was thinking about that recently because you guys, when I have nothing else to think about, I think about Harry Potter's that. And, um. It occurs to me that they talk about how if you get expelled from Hogwarts, you can't be a wizard anymore. Hermione's a muggle. So she would have no access to the wizarding world. And imagine if you're this, you know, 12-year-old, very bright person, and then you find out that you can do magic and you're actually special. And you go into the school and you're there for like two months and you break a rule Mm -hmm. and you're kicked out and you can't go back to that at all. That would be horrible. You'd spend the rest of your life just regretting that and being all. So no wonder she was so terrified of being expelled. It would have been worse for her. Yes, but out of all of the craziness that has ever happened at Hogwarts, the only person we ever find hear about being expelled is Hagrid and what happened to Hagrid he lives on the grounds that's true he still lives there and they didn't make him like they They broke his arm but they didn't make him throw it away yeah because he still has bits and pieces of it in his umbrella and Dumbledore totally doesn't say anything when he uses it because that's the thing like when you are overage that nobody can sense when you're doing magic anymore so it's fine it's cool I do kind of I have this headcanon though um, that Hagrid does eventually get to go back to Hogwarts and finish up his wizard training because he's cleared. Mm-hmm. It's found out that he was not the, he did not release the. He's not the heir of Slytherin. He wasn't the one that was killing Yeah, people. he didn't kill Moaning Myrtle. So I, I hope that he got to go back some, or have something like that. Although he seemed very happy with the life that he had. So maybe yeah. he didn't need it. So we are really running short out of time. And I have not talked about the one thing that I have been bothered by oh please do by listening to these books again oh no okay and it has to do with peter pettigrew okay Wormtail. i am really bugged by the idea 
that he has been Ron's rat <laughs> forever. I think yep. that is the dumbest thing. For like 12 years. Like, why in the world? And it just happens to be that he is the pet rat of the boy who is going to become best friends yeah. with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. And what I have to admit, so I kept thinking as I was reading through the prison, yeah, the prisoner of Azkaban, when you find out that um, Pettigrew is Ron's rat, yes. Ron's family wins a trip to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And that is all of a sudden when Scabbers becomes kind of more prevalent in Ron's. I mean, we hear about Scabbers before and it's he's a rat. Right. But Scabbers actually starts actually having a legit, his own Mm storyline. Hermione has her cat Mm -hmm. who hates Scabbers and everything. So Scabbers, and I was like, why? This is what I want written. And I thought, I was like, this has to be the case. This has to be. And then you get to the end of the book and they're like, no, I have been a rat for all of these years. And like, BS. I don't believe it. Wait, what was your headcanon? I think that um, Wormtail... Now knowing who Ron is, knowing that Ron, because we are now going into your third year of school, Ron is best friends with Harry, Mm -hmm. that while they were in Egypt, Wormtail switched out and became Ron's pet, Scabbers. Ooh. And took over Scabbers' place, and Scabbers is now dead. I'm sorry. Buried somewhere in Egypt. R.I.P. Scabbers. With the pharaohs. Yeah. Built him his own little... Two-headed muggles. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. But that is like what I kept thinking. This is ha- this has to be. I had to remember it wrong because I remember you see all of these memes when you find out that um, Fred and George have the Marauders map mm-hmm. that shows you everyone's name, and yeah. no one ever comments that Peter Pettigrew is sharing a bed with their younger brother. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're it's hilarious, and they're like, "No, this has to be wrong. It has to be that because by then Harry has the map, right." And so, no, he did not just spend two years showing up on the map with Peter Pettigrew showing up next to him. Like, why did his brothers not question this ever? But that's, that is my mind. Like, this is what should have happened. Yeah. That he should have been like, oh, I'm going to hatch a plan because I'm a bad guy. And I'm going to now become the pet because I can of Harry Potter's best friend. So I can get close to Harry Potter and I can do like, this makes sense to me. Okay. And this is how I feel it should have gone. And then you find out at the very end of the book when they're like, no, I blew, I fake blew myself up and cut off my own finger and framed Sirius Black. So he had to go to Azkaban. Couldn't tell anyone. And I became a rat and just found the poorest wizarding family i could like really well and the idea there i know i it does all sound very far-fetched the idea was that he found a wizarding family with a whole bunch of little kids who would eventually like who would kind of go to school with harry potter at some point and he was basically like he wanted to be in a wizarding family so that he would hear the goings on so that if voldemort ever did start i'm sorry he who must not be named we haven't even mentioned him at all that's so weird he's not important he's uh, some stuff happens with him in these books. He he comes and but goes. But so that when word starts coming about that he's coming out to power again, then he can make himself known. But I do think that Scabbers, like, suddenly, be, like, he's just kind of there for two books and then suddenly important in third books is another 
another one of those things we were talking about before where she just has these characters and these things going on that aren't important until they are. Mm-hmm. And Scabbers is one of them. And it is really far-fetched. It would happen to be Harry's best friend. But I heard a uh, possibility. I can't think of the word. Um that I think kind of helps to explain why the twins probably would not have seen Peter Pettigrew's name on the map. Um, and that is that the Marauders who created the map, obviously Peter is one of them, mm-hmm. but they they created the map out of their nighttime wanderings and stuff. And they would have had their own names on it because they would have um, wanted a little bit of the credit. But at the same time, they would have wanted to preserve their secret that they were Animagi. They wouldn't want anybody else to know about that. So, like, if somebody were to, you know, find the map somewhere and see Sirius Black and have this dog, like, Sirius Black is <laughs> in front of them on the map, but they see this dog and be like, wait, are are you serious? What? You're an animate? Like, they wouldn't want to spoil that secret. So you wouldn't be able to see the person's actual name on there unless you knew the secret. That does kind of get broken because at one point Harry in – in Prisoner of Azkaban, like he sees Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, he sees his name. His name and, and is like, wait, but where and is he? And he's confused, yeah. So it's not a perfect theory, but that's kind of the one that makes the most sense to me, that it's part of the magic of the map, that unless you knew that person wasn't Animagus, it would just show up as Ron and Scabbers, if it showed the animals at all, because yeah. maybe it just didn't show the animals. I'm still bothered. I understand. This is my bot leg. This I is my you. frustration. Yeah, there's... There's another one later on that is a really good fan theory that is one of those things that, like, these fans were coming up with these theories where it got to that point in the book and everybody went, oh, that's not what happened. We're kind of disappointed because it's not as cool that we can talk about later. And that has to do with um, Harry Potter being the chosen one. Okay. Because there's a really cool theory about that. Uh, Anyway. We are well over an hour, I feel. We didn't talk about Harry or Voldemort, but they're very important characters in these books. (laughs) They're there. I don't know. It's kind of they're I part guess, of frame story in the title. They keep it going. I guess. Yeah, sure. Whatever. They, they give and a really, plot to all of these other characters and things we've talked about. The idea of trying to do one episode for these four books, <laughs> we knew felt kind of monotonous. We weren't going to get to everything. Yeah, we know that. We're we never sorry. do. This is the legendarium. We're sorry. If you would like to listen to more of Stephanie and Megan's ramblings <laughs> about Harry Potter, let us know. Because me and Megan are happy to get back together and do some more ramblings, um, which we do plan on. We yeah. will plan on. I need to finish listening to books five through seven. Yeah. And then we will get back together to continue talking about Harry Potter. By then, we'll probably talk about all of the books and all of the characters yeah. and all of the wonderfulness that is the wizarding world. Yeah. Because I will need to talk about Severus Snape and Albus Dumbledore and yes. probably Harry at some point. Oh, yeah. Like... We did not, we we didn't cover <laughs> anything, really. There's in this so hour. much in these books, y'all. There's, I love them so much. Maybe we'll do like six or seven more episodes, I don't know, of just me and Megan's <laughs> Harry Potter ramblings. We'll have a whole new podcast about it. No, we won't. I no, lied. we won't. We're kidding. Absolutely kidding. Do not expect a spinoff of a Harry Potter-centric podcast i'm kidding absolutely kidding. i'm sure there are a lot of them out there yeah go i could recommend some to you if you have if, if you need more <laughs> but thank you for listening me and megan have had a blast just sitting here and chatting we hope you have enjoyed listening to our ramblings and random thoughts about harry potter 
Again, if you would like to support our podcast, if you enjoy listening to this and would like us to continue, please support us on Patreon. Please go and have a conversation. Tag us in whatever conversations you want to on Discord because we all keep some tabs on Discord and Mm -hmm. what's happening there. And you'll love the community on there. They're the loveliest people. We love our Discord community. They are so much fun. And then if you want to continue listening to previous episodes of anything that we have done, go to thelegendarium.com. And we will talk to you all later. Have a magical day. (laughs) 